Hi there. I'm Mark Swallow, and I'm glad you are joining me for today's God Is podcast. Let's get started learning who God is. Thank you for joining me today from wherever you are and by however you listen as we meet together coast to coast here in the United States and all the way around the world. You are joining us in the middle of our current series with the title God and Our Culture. In this series, we take up four popular topics that often come up and are contentious between Christians and people who are not Christians. Each of the four are important. They are the environment or the climate, climate change, evolution, that men and women evolved from ape-like creatures. Third is gender and sex. Are there only male and female? What about transgender? And finally, marriage. Thus far, we have looked at the environment and our responsibility to it, and biological evolution. So we are halfway through. We are invested in the Word of God, the Bible, to formulate our response to each of these. As a Christian, my convictions do not come out of nowhere, or they do not merely parrot what someone else says. My convictions are my own, and they come from the Scripture. In conversation with others, I want to elevate the Bible as the source for why I believe what I believe and why they should believe it as well. I have built my convictions on the environment, on evolution, on gender and sex and marriage, all on God's word over and against the word of men and women. I hope you will do the same. And here's the thing. Our foundation is God's word. And in the foundational book of the Bible, Genesis, and in the foundational chapters of Genesis, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we have the very answers we need for a godless, yet hurting culture. If you've been with us, then you see how this works. In these three chapters, we have found ample content to counter rabid environmentalism and the corrupt so-called theory of evolution. We will do the same now with gender and sex. Of course, we will bring in other references, especially from the New Testament, but Genesis 1, 2, and 3 remains our foundational text. As we prepare to talk about gender and sex, I want to begin with Jesus. You might not expect this, but if you will stay with me, this will make sense. And as we turn to our Lord, we find him telling three parables in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. If you have your Bible nearby, turn or scroll to Luke 15. If you know Jesus, then you know he is the master storyteller. No one ever told a story better than him. His stories came from everyday life so that people listening to him could relate. And the stories, or in this case the parables, unveiled deep spiritual truth. The parables we are about to read. Jesus told these to reveal God's feelings for one person who was spiritually lost, but then was spiritually found. That is, one person whom God saves from their sin. Each of these parables speak about the joy God receives when people lost in sin are found by the redeeming love and grace of Christ. So let's start our reading in Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. I invite you to listen carefully to the Word of God through the person of the Christ. 
Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman... If she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So the father divided his wealth between them, and not many days later the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. This is the word of our Lord from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 24. For many of us, myself included, these are some of our most favorite words that Jesus ever spoke, because we know what it was like to be spiritually lost until Christ found us. 
My intention in sharing this with you today is not to give you a systematic teaching on what is here. I have a broader point to make. That being said, I think it is valuable if I pass along to you a couple of comments on these three parables. I will do that in a moment using a succinct insight from another Bible teacher. But first, let me repeat and comment on verses 1 and 2. They say, now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Well, capture the close association Jesus had with the tax collectors and the sinners. The tax collectors were considered traitors to the Jewish people because they collected taxes for the Roman government and personally kept a share for themselves. And sinners, immoral persons, deeply unrighteous and irreligious people, these were the ones who came near to Jesus to listen to him. Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, could not stand tax collectors and sinners. And they were disgusted that Jesus received sinners and ate with them. William Barclay comments on the mentality of these strict Jews. Their attitude was not, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, but there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. Unquote. Please keep in mind the radical difference in attitude between Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes towards the tax collectors and sinners. And now let me quote from John MacArthur's commentary on Luke 15, as he summarizes nicely and accurately for us what is in these three parables. I'm quoting him now. In each of these parables, the story itself is first and follows the same form or outline in all three. Something valuable, a sheep, coin, or son is lost, sought, found or restored, and celebrated. The second layer consists of an ethical implication that everyone would have understood. Did the shepherd do the right thing in leaving the ninety-nine sheep to look for the one that was lost? Should the woman have dropped everything to search for her lost coin? Was the father right to take back the son who had wasted his inheritance? There are theological implications in the lessons each parable teaches about the kingdom of God. The final layer involves what the parables teach about Christ. All three parables also illustrate an aspect of the lost sinner, who like a sheep is stupid and helpless, like a coin is senseless and inanimate, and like a rebel son is wicked and destitute. In each case, the seeker, the shepherd, woman, and father, represents God, who after restoring the lost sinner rejoices, along with all those in heaven. Close quote. These insights are valuable for us when we consider the parables as a whole. What I am drawn to, as we begin to discuss gender and sex, is what Jesus teaches concerning God seeking and finding the one who was lost. Notice it was one sheep, one coin, and one son. God puts a lot of effort into finding one. Like the shepherd, the woman, and the father, 
we should put a lot of effort into finding one. And that is what I want to discuss next time. How does Jesus' teaching help us in a culture with a radically different view on gender and sex than the one we have? Well, let's find out as we continue together to discover who God is. Thank you for listening to this God Is podcast. Drop me an email and tell me what you think. Mark at GodIsMinistry.org That's Mark at GodIsMinistry.org Please do share this with others and be sure and join me for the next one.